right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. It is Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com, a needed resource, especially with our topic for today's podcast, because they they got everything you need, especially on the collision side, general maintenance side, just repair side. But it's collision we're focused on today because, Kevin, you know, man, I like painting. I don't know what it is. Man, I enjoy painting the car. There's just something about it that I'm like, yeah, this is kind of cool. There's such a huge payback for paint, man. You can spend months doing, you know, sheet metal repair, patch panels, whatever, getting everything all blocked in, primed. You could spend forever, it seems like, on a project, and then you can roll it into a booth, and with a couple of hours, it goes from just looking like, eh, you know, your buddy walks up, dude, it looks the same as it did six months ago. Come back in two hours. The thing looks brand new. It looks hot. You got the color on it. It's sweet. And you are so pumped up to start putting all the goodies on it and making it into a real car. You know, like there's so much payback. It's like mowing your lawn. You put the lawnmower away and you, you look back at the lawn. You're like, oh, yeah, I did a good job. Look at those lines. My lawn's a motocross track, so I just go out there and put in a moto or three. <laughs> uh, but I feel good about it, too. You know, it, it's funny, man, because we've covered we've covered a lot of things in sort of paint body, how to approach it, but we've never really discussed in depth about paint itself. And that's a large part of the equation. You know, you think about all the time, you know, we'll spend on our TV show. We do it all the time. Uh, we, you know, we obviously paint uh, several cars or parts of them all, all the time on the show, but we've never really had an opportunity to explain, you know, the difference between say solvent and water-based paint why you would want one for an application over the other, uh, and which one allows you, you know, some freedoms in your paint job and, you know, the layers. Because, dude, you've got some really nice painted cars. I have some very nice painted cars. Uh, There is something about being able to address any small piece of dirt or debris or whatever uh, that may get into a, a layer uh, of paint or, you know, your second or third layer or a clear coat. And, and being able to address it is key and important, especially when you're thinking about, you know, show quality type paint jobs. Yeah. You got to be under a rock for the last couple of years and haven't not heard about, you know, kind of the push towards waterborne paint, especially depending on where you are in the country, you know, really California driving it and so many other places. Uh, but you might not know the details about waterborne. And I'll admit, man, I've been around paint for many, many, I'll call it decades now. Um, <laughs> but I have not done waterborne. And, uh, you know, got a lot of kind of background from folks who have, but I haven't touched it myself and laid it down myself. So I'm, I'm kind of excited, 
you know, on our guest today, Chris Small, to talk about, you know, like you said, some of those differences. And, you know, you might want to, you might be able to make some choices depending on where you are, but depending on what state you're in, you might not have a choice. And you can complain about Waterborne all day long, but you show up at SEMA and there are so many amazing cars there with some of the best paint jobs you've ever seen, some of the best painters in the world. And they'll tell you all day long they can make a Waterborne look just righteous. And it's proof right there. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, some of the techniques and some of the, you know, things to consider and, and those, you know, little nuances that you just adapt from one to the other. Yeah, man, no doubt. And, you know, I really think for, for most people getting a, a, a little education as to which paint may work best in their application is always smart. Uh, not to mention, a lot of times if you're, you know, if something happens, because when you're painting, a lot of people don't understand. There's so many things working against you, right? You got to have a proper side drive, down drive, right? You got to have it clean. You know, you hope that all the body work is done, you know, where it doesn't show anything, but you got the hose, you got when you walk around, you have your clothes, uh, you have, you know, your lines that have to be dry and there has to be up to, up to par. Like there's so many variables to get an, an excellent paint job, you really need to pay attention to detail. And Chris is one of those guys uh, I just met recently. He's the guy that always comes in when there's, you know, higher-end cars or, you know, it's sort of a, a paint job that needs to go as perfect as possible. There needs to be, you know, an ungodly wet finish, you know, after the first couple layers. And then when you put that clear on it, you know, you could debate all day if you even need to cut and buff the thing that looks so good. Uh, he's the guy that answers all the questions, helps with all the problems, uh, and I'm definitely stoked that we got him on. So how about we take a break? We come back. The difference in paint, whether it's a solvent base, a waterborne paint, how to prep that paint job as you go. We're getting in-depth next. It's Two Guys Garage Podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It's the Two Guys Rush Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. Your one-stop shop to get them car parts dropped right to your back door, front door, garage door, wherever you're looking for that truck to show up and always put a smile on your face, especially nowadays. You see that stupid liquid van or the Amazon truck or whoever's dropping it off, mail truck man, just to get those parts, get your project done and back on the road is awesome. So CarParts.com. Yeah, and on top of that, man, save you some 50% off. Think about that. Get it delivered to your door, upwards to half price from your local parts store, your dealership. That's what I'm talking about, man. And they give you a ton of room. You know, some of these other mail orders uh, just hit me the other day, man. I didn't get them back in the 30 days. I had to eat it. They got 90-day returns, man. 90 days. That's enough time to wash your hands, get cleaned up, realize you got some stuff left over, ship it back. Hey, I probably should say that that's enough time, bro, to put the part on and see if it works or not, right? If you diagnose it right, and then take it off and send it back. I'm just saying, maybe an option for you. Probably shouldn't talk about that. Um, we have Chris, uh, my man Chris Small, who I got to tell you, Chris, man, laying paint, bro. It is an art. It is a craft. It's black magic for some people, straight voodoo. Uh, but you, my friend, are freaking fantastic at it. Uh, that's why we have you on. Uh, so let me just ask you to start the equation like this. You're a rep for, you know, which is, I believe it's Axo Nobel, which is really, a lot of people may know Sickens Paint and a lot of different other companies. Um, what is the difference between, you know, most people prefer solvent probably or haven't used waterborne 
base paint. What what is the difference for you, a guy that paints a lot and sees a lot of it? Well, the biggest difference um, is really only in the color. Uh, most to, most of the rest of the things, primers, sealers, things like that, clear coats are still a solvent born. There are some waterborne primers out there that are good as well. Um, but normally when we're talking water to solvent, it's just color. So what what about the color makes it makes it different? So one, uh, you know, a solvent born color will be reduced with, you know, a stinky solvent, something like that. Waterborne is actually reduced usually with like a water um, alcohol kind of mixture kind of thing. Uh-huh. Makes it much more better for your, the painter, for the environment. Is, is there any like variance in the depth of the color or? Um, I think waterborne colors can be a lot cleaner and have some more brilliance. A lot of the OEMs have been spraying water for a long, long time. Uh, so you can get some better color match that way uh, with certain paint lines. Um, and really using waterborne blending is much easier. It goes on in a little thinner coat per coat. And it's just really um, can have some very nice clean stuff. Yeah, I've heard that, you know, as far as putting down the color, it can throw you off because it kind of changes color as it dries uh, differently than a solvent. So you just got to be ready for it. So when you're throwing it down, when you're trying to blend in and match, you know, don't get too panicked. You know, just like think about painting your house. You know, a lot of these are kind of water-based paints and you put the coat on and you're like, oh, that's not what I was thinking. And then you let it dry an hour or two and you're like, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, they, and depending on the paint line you're using, it can go on almost like a rainbow, um, which is weird at first. But once you get used to it, it's very nice because you can see exactly where your paint's going on. Uh, you can keep a blend or a hair area very small that way. Um, instead of being snow blind when you're putting, you know, solvent that looks very similar to what you're painting over and kind of lose track of where you're at. Now, if you think about, you know, what is that, uh, you know, water or whether that's the solvent, it's, it's just a carrier. It just takes the pigments and the things and takes it from the gun and it lets you throw it on the object and spread it around nice. And then it just evaporates off and leaves, you know, the color there. So you're really just talking about, you know, the transport mechanism uh, and it's like you said, you got to get used to the slight differences between the two. Uh, now I understand with, with waterborne that you, you can actually get more coverage, yeah. right? And a lot of guys actually like laying it down once they get used to it, but you got to think of things a little bit differently as far as like drying. Uh, cause you're talking about humidity to dry, you know, the waterborne versus a solvent, which may be more activated by, let's say heat. Yeah. Solvent is definitely temperature related more than anything. Water needs some air movement and heat help quite a bit um you wouldn't want to paint water in your cold garage or something like that you could probably have a not great time because it's going to lay there forever it's if you're a, familiar with a solvent paint it's almost like using slow or extra slow reducer all the time with water um you know the amounts of water some paint companies have different waters um, can all kind of help but it really is big on air movement and and just letting that that paint flash it's always nice with water as well because in solvent you can rush you can get a couple layers on you know i think it's five ten minutes but it's only been two and you can rush your paint job and get some issues that way uh, whereas water you really know it's dry when it's dry because as it as it can change from that weird color to to the color of the car now, I, I got a question about those those two scenarios because you know to me there's two types of painters there's one that uses uh you know professional booth and body shop and they'll go that route and then there's 
you know, the other guy who's got a makeshift booth or a garage converted into a booth uh, and can lay down a pretty damn good paint job, you know, in his home-built mechanism. Uh, but yet, you know, he's addressed everything he needs to address. So what, in your opinion, are the benefits, pros and cons-wise, uh, on water? Do you, do you have to wait longer? Is there a, a longer distance in the gun? Is the overlap different? Like, what are some of the variations you might encounter spraying water versus solvent? I mean, my choice in a situation like that is usually solvent because you can control, you know, by which reducer you use for which temperature. Let's say, you know, Colorado, the weather can be different this morning than it is right now, right? So if it's 60 degrees in there, you got a little more choice. Uh, if you had to use water, though, uh, say you're in Salt Lake, California, something like that, um, you know, you got to use water. It's just going to go a little slower. You got to have the air moving around to help dry it and just can kind of maybe take a little longer. What's the temperature variation for for spraying water and for spraying solvent? Like give us a, a too cold, too warm scenario for for both or is there um i mean you probably wouldn't want to spray too much water under 70 i mean it's, it can be a little slow even at that with no air movement um depending on what kind of paint you use and uh lines like that you can have reducers for solvent all the way down to around 50 degrees all the way up to you know 100 something like that um water when it's very hot is very nice you can have a different water add extra water and kind of combat that but for the cold not a whole lot you can do but Stay in there and wait. Yeah, typically, you know, from what I understand with water, you just, your environment control is just so much more stringent. You know, so if you could be in the perfect scenario with, you know, the right temperature range, the right humidity, um, and even the right airflow within your booth, right? So you can get yep. the drying effect, you know, so whether you have a cross flow versus a down flow, you know, you're getting air across your panels. You know, if you're in a great environment, uh, from what I understand, the water just goes down great. You get used to it. It's really easy. But, you know, if you live in certain areas, different temperatures and humidities, uh, it seems like that's what kind of throws a lot of folks off. Sure. You just don't have as much freedom there, right? Yeah, you have to have very clean air. That's a big part of it with water as well. You know, we know air compressors can, can make air in the lines. With solvent, you can right. get around it a little bit. You can have a couple things, you know, sand it out, do this and that. But if you get water in your airline with spraying water, you can have you can make a pretty big mess pretty quick. So, yeah, you mentioned that a lot of people, you know, don't address their lines. Uh, this is something we could spend a whole entire show on, uh, condescent drying and making sure you have an oil-water separator. Make sure, you you know, you bleed the tank before you start painting. Uh, you may even want to leave it, you know, slightly cracked. I know some people like to do that. Uh, but, th yeah, there's a, a, a lot of difference in small factors that make a big impact between water and solvent and you're saying that water on waterborne paint is a bad combination whereas solvent you can do what uh it's probably a little more forgiving i mean clean air uh, clean tools it's always you know good net whether it's solvent or water um having just an auto drain on your air compressor is a huge deal and you'd be surprised at big shops they have all the nice stuff no auto drain Man, the first shop, you know, when I was a kid, this is going back a long time ago, where I learned, you know, the paint and body work. Um, man, we, we, we were having problems, you know, with, with the paint and just oh, having issues when drain the tank. And it was one of those huge ass horizontal tanks and started draining it. And like, I don't know how many, three, four, five gallon buckets later. No way. You know, we had no all the way. water. They never drained the thing. <laughs> Talk about not even an auto drain. How about no drain? You no know? drain, yeah. 
This was a paint shop. That's what they do all day. Crazy. 100 gallons of water on an 80 gallon tank somehow, right? So. <laughs> yep, yep. It ran out of room for air. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, when you have a, a solvent based paint, you said it was a little bit more forgiving. So explain that a little bit and what's the process if you're. If you're spraying, you know, whether it's base coat, clear coat, you know, I wanted you to explain a little bit of difference between a, you know, two-step and three-step process. Uh, But what is something that you can do if you lay down a nice coat, but all of a sudden there's a, a, you know, some sort of particle, dust, dirt, or something that got in it? Sure. Um, Depending on the paint line, right, my paint lines act very similar, um, water or solvent. If you let it dry, you can usually sand it in the base color, right? So if you're, you're putting your base color on, you have some issues, uh, let that dry, let it flush off the right amount of time. You can grab some 600, 800, 1,000 grit sandpaper, go in there and, you know, just denib your dust particles out or a fisheye or, you know, if you had a, some water in the paint, you can get it out. Yeah. And then how long, you just got to wait for the paint to flash, wait till it looks dry to the eye, um, you know, find a piece of the paper where you taped it off and touch it and see if it's, it's tacky or if it sticks. What are some steps that you go through to make sure uh, it's, it's ready to attack it like that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, dry to the touch is always good. You know, if you think it's dry, maybe wait another five minutes. Um, you know, that extra five minutes could save you an hour down the line if you put a piece of sandpaper into that wet paint and gouge into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the nice thing about water, um, it doesn't – you know, it's not really eating into whatever's below it as much. So it can be pretty forgiving if you were to, you know, pick a big chunk out of it, let it dry pretty good and uh, sand that out. Solvent, you know, sometimes you can get all the way down to like your sealer layer and just keep eating and it'll just keep chasing it out and making a mess. So water is nice in that regard as well. I'm interested, is there, so there's got to be like um, on water or solvent, there's got to be a, a, a moment where you're, you know, you're chasing that dirt, like you said, but, you know, how do you know when the proper time is to, you know, attack it when the right time is to move up? And what do you do in the steps that, you know, if you're going to sand it afterwards, do you go back and you wash it, clean it, hit it with a tack rack? Like what are the steps to clean it up? So you lay down another, another layer. Sure. Cleanliness is, you know, pretty much everything in painting, painting, anything, cars, whatever. Right. Um, once you've sand, you're going to make a little mess. So it would be nice to, to take your uh, waterborne cleaner, your solvent borne cleaner, whichever you're going to use kind of the opposite. Um, in solvent world, you can use wax and grease all day on it right after you, you know, sand it, clean it up, tack rag, blow it off, tack rag again. Cleanliness is the best, right? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it always beneficial and always, you know, anybody that's painted, if you get dirt in there, stuff floating around or... You know, you Ooh. haven't sprayed it off. You haven't used the tack class. You haven't done those proper steps that we visited, you know, in other podcasts before. You're just asking for problems, asking for trouble. So I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. Take a break. We'll come back. More questions about paint, things like what's the difference between a two-step process and three-step process. Uh, if you got something working in your garage, you've got an old hot rod, what's going to be the best color, how to throw it, uh, when's the dry time, when's flash times. Clear coat is another thing. There's all kinds of chemicals in paint nowadays, and our boy Chris is going to break them all down next. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. We're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com, the easiest, most simple way to get car parts right where your lazy butt wants them, and that's to your back door. Because <laughs> uh, then you just walk out to the garage and get the job done, man. 
You don't have to go anywhere. Giddy up. If you know your year, make, and model, well, you can get the parts dropped right to your door. And the best part is, is you're choosing the parts, not some guy on a cell phone texting his, you know, his girlfriend, uh, you know, at the local parts store. It's you. So find it at carparts.com. Uh, all right, Kevin. Kevin, let me ask you, how many cars have you painted in your life? You worked at a paint and body shop. Um, did you ever get to lay down, like, full-on paint jobs? Spray-wise, no, I just, you know, I've always been afraid. Right. You spend weeks, however many days, you know, months doing all the prep, and then you got that badass guy over there who's been spraying his whole life, and you're like, dude, I want you on my team, you know? You come over here and finish this off and make us proud. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> You know, one of these days, I will take something that uh, maybe isn't as important to me. You know, I'm not taking it to SEMA or something like that. Sure. And I will spray all over that thing, and I will sand it down, and I will spray it again and figure out all those little ins and outs. But, man, I've been all around it, all over it, um, all in the prep. But, yeah, the spray part, you know, we've done plenty of stuff on the show as far as panels and this and that. But as far as a full car, a full car going to... Some big event, high dollar thing. Yeah. Scary. Scary. But, hey, let me tell you. I'm scared. I rust oleum my first car when I was like 12, 13. <laughs> uh, Cryon, whatever. <laughs> uh, shake, shake, man. My right my arm was killing me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, it, it is something ex- extraordinary when it lays down like you, you're wanting it to. And Chris, you know, you probably painted a thousand cars. He's, a, he's one of those aggressive painters. You're like, He's laying down color, bro. His arms are going a hundred different directions, and man, it looks great when you're done. So, uh, I've seen the man in action before. You know, Chris, we were talking about sort of the differences in people out there choosing paint for their car. So, give us a couple ideas. You know, you rep a lot of Sickens paint. I know they have a lot of different offerings out there. What is the difference? Catch people up on what's the difference between like a base coat, clear coat. You hear a you know, these two-step, three-step processes, what does that really mean? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, a basic base coat, clear coat, you have your your color coat and you have a clear coat. You know, the color coat goes on, um, doesn't really have a whole lot of shine to it. The clear coat puts the shine and the protection from the elements, UV, you know, water, all things like that. Um, You know, the three stages, that can be anything from candy colors, you know, fancy reds, real sparkly stuff, pearl whites, things like that. I mean, there's some four-stage stuff out there. You have to do, you know, a sealer, a different color, another mid-coat, five coats of that, and then another clear. So, I mean, it could be a 10-step paint coat or paint job, really, right? Yeah, man. I, I've, I've seen a couple cars, and I actually have a 57 Chevy I restored from my dad a number of years ago. And it was one of those three, four, you know, sort of phase steps. And, and you're right. At first, when they're laying down the color, I'm like, Wait a minute, that looks nothing like the, you know, the little little card I was looking at. And they're like, just calm down. It's you know, it's the first couple coats, but more to come, right? You just have to have a little patience when it comes uh to that sort of ladder as far as painting goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean it comes a long way from lacquer days where it was just the one color and you rub it out and then then there was some enamel, yeah. you know, synthetic enamels, things like that that came out. And there's some you know, polyurethane single stages, which they're still around. They're nice for sort of solid colors and big trucks. You can even do those in metallics. Was lacquer paint just one coat? I, I've never sprayed lacquer. Don't know anything about it. I know old. It used to be old hot rod stuff, but it would crack all the time. Is that just one? Just one? No, I think coat. I think they had to do a lot of coats of that to get like their deep looks, and then a lot of hand polishing. Um, 
to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about it because that was so long ago. I don't think you can find lacquer very many places anymore. So <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, you know. But you know, there, there, there's so many off, different offerings now as far as the stages and the depth. So you're saying that most people that want a candy type color or something, you know, not off the color chart that you would traditionally find, that's going to be you know, the sort of the multi-layer, multi-phase type paint. Sure. Yeah. Like in, in Sickens, um, for that really pretty red Mazda out there, it's called 46V Soul Red. And it looks almost like a chrome red going around. It's always on TV. You see them driving around town. They look really nice. Um, you know, that that can be a, a base coat color with the three coats of a hardened mid coat over it in solvent. So, you know, you can have five, six coats on it to get it to match. Um, you know, that's some cool stuff. What's your take on some of the newer, you know, the newer paints? Just it seems like you can get so much more of, uh, you know, the metal flake, so much more just kind of the the pearls in there and all the 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 flop uh, out of just a two two uh, two stage paint job. I mean, do you think in a lot of cases you really got to get much beyond that with how many different offerings there are out there and how much advancement that we had in paint these days a lot of the pigments um have became a long way where you can do a lot of things that look like they could have been three stage and actually a two stage um the cadillac i did you know it used to be you know three stage when all those colors used to come out you had to tint the clear coat once you tint the clear coat you're putting red on there in clear coat there's no sanding dirt out of that right so with some of the new pigments, it makes it a lot easier on painters and especially do-it-yourselfers. You can just do two, three coats of a base coat and two, three coats of a clear coat, and you're good. What should people be looking at if they're thinking about painting their, you know, old-school muscle car or, you know, the Infinity, you know, they, they crash and they're, you know, trying to repair or fix? What, you know, what should be the determining factors uh, as far as your colors and your choice? Sure. Well, quality paint and color match is probably the biggest thing. I mean, color match... Anybody can see that a car doesn't match when it doesn't match. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, kid can do that, right? Um, it's hard to tell when the car is all done. Is it water paint? Is it silver paint? Is it that? But you can definitely tell the color. Um, you know, quality paints are going to last longer. Cheaper paints usually don't last as long. Um, you know, there's there's components in the sealers and primers where you have to have a hardener. All Everything that has a hardener is usually better paint. Is it more important for it for a guy to look at the number of steps or is it just can you go out and find a base coat clear coat that you know you feel pretty confident in and how the how the paint's going to turn out its gloss its depth its shine and so forth sure um and, and a lot of paints you know you can they'll look the same right out of the gun right out of the booth it's how it looks in a couple days a couple years 20 years um so you want you want some high quality things you know lifetime warranties things like that but sometimes you just want to paint that car and go racing around and don't care if it gets scratched up. So there are some economy paints out there that, that can do the same thing. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for. Well, tell us more about that UV protection and what people need to look for when they're looking for a really good clear. Are there certain chemicals, numbers, variations, codes that that people you know that want a high-end paint job need to look for when it comes to the clear coats? And I think clear coats, you know, we've seen clear coats, Kevin, on the TV show where they're like water, right? They're, they're really, really like, you know, it's like a very like, you know, flimsy in its texture. And in other clear coats, it's a little more thicker and it's, you know, sort of uh, malleability and it's, uh, viscosity, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot thicker. What, what's the difference there? Which one is more applicable, uh, you know, to somebody looking for that high end sort of depth in their paint job? 
Sure. So you'd want a clear coat that's high solids. Um, that being said to like a, you know, that'd be the more thicker stuff. Some of it has a little flex additive already built into it. So the paint actually can flex. Um, you'd want to have a high solids paint. You're doing your restoration job, things like that. Sometimes a lot of those can go a little slower. It can be a little harder to spray because they're a little thicker. You know, you have to have the right equipment. Sometimes the thin stuff is better for the do-it-yourself because, you know, they're spraying out of a not as expensive gun. Don't have to work as hard to make it look right. You know, speaking of clear, like I've, I've heard that, um, you know, the waterborne paint isn't quite as durable as a solvent base. But if you're putting on, you know, a high quality clear on the top, does it does it even make a difference? Really shouldn't as long as you're doing all the steps right up to that point. You know, there's so many things, like you said, that can go wrong in a paint booth, wrong in a paint job, wrong in a mixture. But for the most part, all the clear coats are still a solvent base. Even in the areas that are forced to use water, they just have low VOC solvent to go into their stuff. Um, it really shouldn't matter if you have enough paint on the car and the clear coat's good. We talk about spraying thicker clear coat. Um, you know, what in, as far as gun and, and gun prep and settings, would you do different between, you know, a solvent base and a, and a waterborne uh, paint setup? I mean, I think some things you got to make sure that you've got, you know, stainless, stainless steel kind of components in there so you don't kind of get any kind of rusting and whatnot. As far as your hardware goes, your tubes, and but what else you know should you consider with um, you know switching over to a water-based? Yeah, most of the high-end guns, the Vilvis, Sada, Iwata, uh, they're all pretty much waterborne ready for the last I don't know, 15 years, 20 years, something like that. Um, but tip size, depending on your paint uh, brand, you know some some brands will recommend a 1.2 for some water. You know we might recommend a 1.4 just kind of depends and all all these products they have a text sheet you can look at and it'll tell you you know use a 1.3 for this or one point up to 1.4 you know what the max psi is to spray it at things like that now what's the 1.2 1.3 1.4 you, you're referencing so that's the fluid tip on the paint gun so the size okay the okay. diameter of the, of the hole you're put, shooting the paint out of you know um then the air that blows around atomizes it you know, at 1.2, you're going to have some finer droplets. To 1.4, you might have some bigger, wetter droplets. Some paint likes it wetter. Some paint likes it not as wet. And what do you like for a solvent, and what do you like for a waterborne? I like 1.4s pretty much everything. I like to get the paint on the car. I want the paint to do the work for me. A lot of times you see the paint will kind of tell you what it needs. If it's going on dry and dusty, you probably need to get it on a little wetter. Um, it can always go a little less wet, but it's hard to make a 1.2 get really, really wet. In the summer or something like that right right and, and is your overlap different for the two because i tend to like to overlap about 50 percent uh and so forth is it different are you are you keeping a gun out further or closer when you're using airborne or solvent or how do you like to spray it uh, waterborne you can get a little more overlap i think you can put that we put our first coat on very wet almost to cover um some of the colors will cover with the one you do your second coat a little less wet, and then what we do is like a drop, nice light coat. We'll drop our pressure, take a step back, and get an orientate metallics and things. Solvent, you're you're about yeah, you know fifty percent get on there. Can't get it on too wet though, um, just nice and even really. Man, I think I'm ready to go out and spray some waterborne paint right now. Yeah, and, and it really is waterborne. I think is the direction. Um, I think less experienced painters can have better results you know blending and things like that right out of the gate because it really does go on easier thinner wetter 
right out of the gate. Blending's always been one of the most difficult things, too. Is there are, are there certain things to blending? Do you go the whole panel? Um, you tape off a piece. What you got some tricks? Do you like you like to use for blending? Uh, if so, you mind telling us? Sure. So you know, if you had a say, you had a replace a door on your car, and you're blending the fender and the other door. Um, blend panels, depending on the color, you want to sand with 800 grit or 1000 grit. Um, clean them really nice. Try not to break through the clear coat on all of them because then you're going to have to put color on them and they become non blends. Um, but yeah, um, there's some tricks to it. You can put a wet bed over the blends that kind of put a clear base coat on there, kind of help you blend out. Um, some waterborne, you really don't need it because it goes on so nice. It's just, it's just a lot of little tricks to it, but he makes it sound so easy. He's like, ah, you just do this, just do that. Well, and probably the biggest thing with blending is the confidence in it. Um, a lot of guys will start, you know, you're worried about the blend and you start triggering it and cat pawing it. You get a lot of dry paint going down your panel instead of wet paint, and then you're kind of fighting that. So. Yeah, man, I tend to lay it on heavy on the coverage spot and try to lighten it up as I as I work out, but it, you know. It, it never fails. I've never done it with water-based, you know, waterborne paint, but uh, it never fails. You can always you kind of see it. I, I feel like I need more more experience in the in the blending department for sure. That's always one of those things I'm like, God, I wish I was better at it. Sure. I think that's painting in general is experience. You know, you can paint for 25 years, still learn stuff every day. Um, and just, just finding problems that, that arise and how to fix them is really being a painter, so. Yeah, my problem is I, I got an eye for finding flaws, and so I can tear myself apart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, Sickens Paint, um, tell everybody about Sickens Paint, uh, where it kind of originates from. I know you guys have some really, really cool color options. Uh, and what's new in the world of, of Sickens? So Sickens, um, it's an Axel Nobel product. Uh, it comes from the Netherlands. Uh, it's been around for a long, long time, um, hundreds of years. So good stuff, uh, high quality European things, you know, any color you can dream of, we can do it. Um, high solids, beautiful clear coats that stay that way right after you're done. Is UV a big thing in a clear coat? That's the biggest thing you not kind of got to defend on. What is there something that you guys have found in that UV fight? That's a little bit better than, than most. So, um, you know, everyone paints all kind of caught up between all the brands, you know, having the, the right UV screeners for what you're using is what really makes a paint job stand up against the sun. You see some of these cars that get painted and you're driving around, it's turned into like a cloudy milk mess on their hood and roof, especially Colorado, Arizona. Um, that's the <sighs> biggest difference. So, you know, if you use a high quality paint, you won't see that. What, what happened to the manufacturers a few years back? I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago, probably is that shift towards water-based that, Every car manufacturer had all this peeling and chipping and, you know, you'd just be driving down a road and a three-inch chunk of paint would just fly right off. And it didn't matter what you had, whether it was a Ford, a Chevy, a Mopar, a Dodge, whatever. Sure. Um, sometimes it could be in their process at the factory. Maybe the sealer combination to the base coat combination wasn't right, wasn't put on fast enough, put on too fast. You know, finding out some of those problems is tough. I know they had a lot of that. I think 80s with some like every white band hood was peeling right so yeah um just, it, just really depends is there one more question before we go is there something that you look for when you're ready to drop that next coat you mentioned a couple times at the show that sometimes you put it on too fast you'll put it on while it's already wet 
Like, what is the the thing that you're looking for to determine the vehicle's ready for the next application? Usually any product you spray on will dry out, you know, matte um, besides the clear coat, right? So, you know, you put a, put a sealer on, it's wet looking, it'll dry to matte. You can look at the clock, then 15 minutes, go by the book. Most guys, you just kind of look at the panel and when it's dry, you're good to go. You can pack it. Usually if it's dry, dry enough to tack, it's dry enough for another coat, right? Okay. If it's dry enough for the tag, it's dry enough for another coat. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Uh, where do people find out more about Sickens? Where do people go and check out your colors, check out your offerings? So there's axonobell.com, sickensvr.com. Um, we've got all kinds of distributors across Colorado, every state, really. Yeah, man. And they have an ungodly amount of colors to choose from. <laughs> it's like it's funny because you can go, give me, give me reds or give me blues, and he'll hand you, you know, 300 shades of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good good tip, man. You know, if you're trying to figure out what color to paint your ride, you know, like something really special, uh, just go check out a bunch of dealerships and see the color. You know, you can get little samples. You can get them on little, you know, shaped cars. But go to dealerships because the paints now are pretty good. Now, they're not laid down so great. You know, they don't color sand them out and all that stuff. But, I mean, you can really see, you know, some of the flop in them. You know, you can kind of imagine some of the depth. You put some good clear on them. But at least from a color standpoint and how they look on different shapes, uh, just go to dealerships, all different kinds, and you'll get True. at least the flavor and get yourself dialed in. And then, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, pull out the book and try to match something in there, uh, just a great way to help you decide, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Everybody's had their head on a swivel when they see some, whether it's a Toyota or a Ford or a Chevrolet, you know, they'll do, oh, wow, it's a cool color. Whoa. You know, I got to get that paint code. It's amazing how the same color will look different on different vehicles, you know? Right, yeah. You know, you'll, you'll pick a car, you'll see a car, you'll see a Corvette, it's got a cool color on it. You're like, that is awesome. And then you'll see the exact same color on the truck, and you're like, what? It's not inspiring yeah. me, man. You know, right, it's just but- how much horizontal versus, you know, the shape of the panel. Again, with a lot of the flop on there, it's how the color reads on the car, you know? Yeah, except the guy in the Corvette's going to have a satin jacket to boot. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Hey, don't forget about our show, Air Weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand. Uh, thanks to our guest, Chris Small, Kevin Bird, I am Willie B, our producer, Scoop, and executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website. we got all kinds of great content down there, twoguysgarage.com. All the podcasts are on there. You can click away all day long and listen to us, man. Uh, and share your thoughts with us. We're on social, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. And Two Guys Garage Podcast, it's a copyright 2021. Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. There you go. Hey, now you're in the know, right? Ready to lay down some paint, Kev? Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm ready to graduate. I was the guy at the Mako that was sanding like 28 cars a day. You know, when I yeah. went home and took a shower, I changed colors, you know, 27 times. Uh, and then there was the one guy, all he did all day was spray, spray, spray. Right, right. <laughs> you know, he was the man. I hope on the next season or two, we get a paint and throw down on an entire car. I- I'll volunteer one of my cars for it. I don't care, man. Uh, all right, well, look, don't forget, check out our show, man, and maybe we'll get that done. We'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I will be. Take care. See you guys. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.